0: You know, when you think about Christmas and Christmas celebrations, there is nothing quite like celebrating Christmas as a little child. Maybe second only to that is celebrating Christmas with or in proximity to little children. I have two little girls who are 9 and 11, and they are literally vibrating with energy right now. <laughs> Uh, I was talking to my wife uh, before the service, and this is our fourth of five Christmas Eve services. And I was like, you know, it's, we've had a lot and it's going on. And she said, I have to try to put Hannah to bed tonight. And we both agreed that she has got the more stressful job this (laughs) evening in terms because the just, there is an excitement and an anticipation that is unlike anything else. It's, 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 it's incredible. And I want to suggest tonight that it's the kind of anticipation that all of us should have this evening. No matter our age or stage of life, no matter what we've experienced in terms of highs or lows this year, we should be celebrating with the expectancy and joy and excitement of young children on Christmas morning. When I think about my own Christmas morning experiences, I probably look back on some of the best memories I have as a child. Some of the best memories and best celebrations are what I call Christmas morning top of the staircase celebrations. Now here's what that means. In our house, we uh had two floors and me and my two younger brothers and my parents, all five of us we slept our bedrooms were on the second floor of our house so the first floor was where our christmas tree was it was in our living room and christmas morning always worked with a certain pattern and this pattern was that i and my brothers would wake up even as we got older at kind of an absurdly early hour and we would go and wake my parents up who acted like they were grumpy but we knew they really wanted to be awake and that we would kind of help them to get out of bed and we would have this routine where we would all walk to the top of the steps that would lead down to our living room. And my father did this every year. He thought it was funny. He would say, let me go down first. And before any of the rest of you come down, let me turn on the lights. At which point he would take about 45 minutes to go down the steps (laughs) and turn the lights on and start making coffee. And my two younger brothers and I would be standing at the top of the steps, vibrating with tension. We were full of excitement. We would be high-fiving each other, completely, completely in the belief that there were great things waiting for us at the bottom of the steps when we got there. We didn't wait to celebrate when we got there. The celebration was going on full stop at the top of the steps before we even left. Now, if the whole naughty and nice nice thing, if we had taken that seriously, there would have been a little more humility on our part if we had reflected on the year. But we were just in full-on top-of-the-staircase Christmas morning celebration mode. It's amazing. It's wonderful. That's how we should feel tonight. All of us. You see, the world teaches us not to celebrate that way. We learn through experience not to celebrate in those ways as we get older because you come to regret it. You come to regret it and you guys know, for instance, is this an example, if you play sports, or you're into sports, or you have a certain college sports team in the area that you're very passionate about, one of the things that we know is that the worst moment that your team can have is when they start celebrating like they've won before the game is actually over. Because crazy things can happen in the end of the game. Some of the greatest comebacks that we've seen in sports often start when one team that's up by a lot starts believing that the game is over, they lose their focus, they start celebrating, and, and, and it all just goes off the rails. A coach will always tell their players, do not celebrate until the game is over. Until that moment, we cannot celebrate. You don't count your chickens before they're hatched, right? Or take this, we have got uh, a group of uh, students, group of uh, high school students that are applying for college, or we've got college students here that are applying for grad school, or we've got people who are applying for jobs or promotions at work. One of the things that you learn really quickly, and if you haven't learned this, you need to write this down, because it's really important. Do not celebrate getting into college until you actually have the acceptance letter in hand, right? (laughs) Nobody does that. Nobody celebrates getting a promotion at work before they actually get the promotion, right? Nobody calls up their friends or their parents or their family or their spouses, guess what, there's a promotion at work and I'm gonna get it. And they're like, really, you've gotten the promotion? No, I just know it's gonna happen and so we should go out and celebrate for dinner tonight. Nobody does that. You don't celebrate in advance of anything. You can have hope, you can again, it's like that, that we think it could happen, But in terms of expectancy, and, you know, this is going to be, that's not how we celebrate. What made our Christmas morning top of the staircase celebrations different was that we were in full-on celebration mode before we went down the steps. That's how you should feel tonight. That's how you should feel tonight. That's what we're celebrating here on Christmas Eve. Now, if we were just celebrating the traditional way, in terms of just celebrating what is already guaranteed happened in the past, taken place, we could still have a pretty good celebration tonight. When I mean, you realize that what we're celebrating is that the, the God was born into the world. The Savior, the Messiah came. In every major religion in the world, in every spiritual movement that I know, nobody makes that claim. We are a people who at our core are not following a set of religious rules or religious doctrine or religious dogma or religious tradition. We are not people who are just following feelings of, hey, let's just all be really loving. We are at our core following a person. We are following a person, Emmanuel, God with us, who has come into this world. It means, among other things, that you and I can have just an unbelievable amount of intimacy with the creator of the universe because God has experienced, through Jesus, every single thought and emotion that you and I bring into this room with us tonight. You think about that for a minute. Think about that. We probably walk in here, a lot of us, with a lot of joys and a lot of excitement and a lot of anticipation, things that we can hold on to that we're grateful for that are going well in our life, in school or in work or with our families. And so we bring that joy in here. Do you know what God, do you know that God knows what that feeling's like? Do you know that God knows what it's like? I mean, not just because he's observed us, but God actually knows what it's like to have moments of just joy. Of things going well, of people you love succeeding, of, 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 of these amazing events going on that just take our breath away in beauty. That God has marveled at the beauty of the sunsets that God created. Think about that for I mean, it's an amazing thing that no matter what joys or excitements you walk in here tonight, God goes, I know, it's amazing. But in the same way, because God has come into the world, we also walk in here tonight, if we're honest, outside of the the Christmas and the traditions and the smiles, we also come in here tonight, all of us, with pain, with confusion, with doubts, with questions about why life isn't different or our world isn't different or how things are the way they are or why isn't it that things have changed all that much from last year to this year? All of us walk in here with that, and God has experienced that as well. God has experienced abandonment and loss and confusion and sadness. God has mourned at the loss of people whom he cared about. Everything you and I walk in here tonight, and for most of us, it's a mixed bag of joys and sorrows of people we're excited to be with and people who we miss that are not here tonight. God has experienced all of that. It it creates this incredible opportunity for just intimacy with the creator of the universe. Nobody else can make that claim. It's the basis of Christmas, what we're celebrating and what we're about. So there would be a lot to celebrate in terms of our relationship and intimacy with God if we were just celebrating this event that took place in history. But there would also be a lot of loose ends and dangling ends, if that's all we could celebrate, that God could empathize with us with whatever we're feeling tonight. It's a great claim, but that's not all that Christmas is. You see, even in this text, there are confusing things in this familiar passage that we have to see with fresh eyes and realize are really, really hard. And if all we were doing is saying, well, God just participated in it, how much would that really be? I mean, you think about what's hard just in this scripture passage. You have Mary, a teenager who is pregnant while not married to this guy, Joseph. And people are talking about her. I promise you they were. And what they weren't saying behind her back was, oh, she must be having the Messiah. That's not what they were saying about her, okay? (laughs) Joseph was having to live with those rumors and those stories and those comments as well. They had to travel in the third trimester of her pregnancy, over 40 miles on the back of a donkey to a place where she knew nobody. People in our day and age won't travel 30 miles in the last trimester of their pregnancy, and we have highways and fuel efficient cars and and delivery rooms all scattered all over the place. She had to go for and, and if she had said, why did she have to do it? Because a foreign dictator told her she had to. And if she had raised the question of, well, this could endanger my health or the health of my child, she couldn't do that because no one would have cared. She was a statistic that needed to be counted. So she has to leave her mother, she has to leave the older women whom she would have known in her village, who would have been the people as she gave birth to walk her through that time. She had to leave all of them behind and to go with Joseph to a town where he was the only one who was there in the birth, having no idea most likely what to do himself. And they're born, their baby is born in a stable. Now I know we've got our songs and the cattle are lowing and that makes us feel good. It. it was a dirty, stinky, smelly barn. And the only place they could put him was a feeding trough for goats our cattle and livestock. Is it enough just to say, well, God participates in it. God's here, he's with us. No, that's not the celebration. That's not the celebration that's a Christmas celebration. That's when you can just celebrate what's already finished and what's already completed. But what the angels come and declare from the heavens to the shepherds, and the shepherds then come and declare to Mary and Joseph in song, is that the child that's been born is the Messiah, the Savior. And they are, I would suggest, in a full-on top of the staircase christmas morning celebration because they are proclaiming him as the savior before he is spoken before he has taught anyone about God's kingdom, before he has healed anyone of blindness or told a paralyzed person they can stand up and walk. He is being proclaimed as the Savior before temptation in the wilderness, before he asked God in Gethsemane not to make him go to the cross and to deliver him from the lynch mob that's coming for him. And he is proclaimed as the Savior before, decades before, he has to face a Roman cross But the angels are in full-on celebration mode. That God is on the move. And that the world through Jesus will never be the same again. And indeed, in truth, he faces all that life has. All of the good and all of the joy and all of the excitement and all of the pain. All the way to death. All the way to facing his own death. And as they say, he does bring resurrection and new life and hope into every single situation. Their proclamation is right. Their top of the staircase Christmas morning celebration is absolutely biblical and appropriate because they know that they are not just celebrating what is, but they are celebrating the world that will be. And you and I, are promised by God, that as he has overcome all that is in this world, so shall we. So he doesn't just look at you in the parts that are hard or confusing, are difficult or different tonight and say, I'm right there with you in it. That's not all he's saying. But he's also saying, you don't need to live in fear because this will not be the end of your story. You don't have to know that sorrow will overcome you because that will be triumphed over by life. He comes to, to tell us that we don't need to be concerned by hate and terror and violence and injustice in this world because it has been overcome and it will be so again. And so tonight, we too, just like the angels can celebrate not just what is, not just what is, but also what is will be a Christmas morning top of the staircase celebration and you are invited to come and participate hallelujah and amen let's pray Lord we ask that this night you would raise our voices to sing with the angels praises to God For what God has done, for what God is doing, but also for what God shall do in our lives, in our pain, in our sadness, and in this world, your kingdom come and fill us tonight with the hope and the assuredness and the joy. of watching this world and our lives transformed. We celebrate this night with shepherds and angels at the coming of the newborn king. Amen.